0: Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your Spirit who indwells the hearts of each believer. You not only indwell, but you bind us to the risen Christ so that our life is hid with him. And you not only bind us to the risen Christ, but Lord, you bind us to one another. That fellowship that we share is not something that we have created. It is something that you have given as a gift. And so, Lord, we pray today that you would strengthen us. Lord, you would speak clearly to us. Lord, you would give us an awareness of what you're doing in our midst. And, Lord, give us a deeper respect and glory for who you are and for what you've done for us in the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How does God change the world? How does God change the world? And the answer might surprise you a little bit, but here it is. God changes the world with barbecue. (laughs) Does anybody like barbecue? It's all right. Mr. Gary. Is going to be cooking some barbecue this afternoon. He told me he's going to get his he's going to get his, his barbecue out. He's going to put some fire on the barbecue and he's going to keep the temperature. You're going to keep it high or you're going to keep it low. You're going to keep it high enough. Low and okay. See see. You know what you're doing. You got this. You got this. All right. He's going to keep it low. Right and 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 are you going to be done cooking that that pork butt? Are you going to be done cooking that thing in about thirty minutes? About an hour? No. How long is it going to take? Ten hours. So barbecue is what is low and slow. Y'all say it with me. Barbecue is what low and slow. How does God change the world? God changes the world. Low and slow. God changes the world low and slow. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories about how this works. And I've changed the names. The stories are, are real. All right? Changed the names, but the stories are real. Cindy pulled up to a ramshackle, run-down house. As Cindy neared the house and as she slowed to a stop, two large black men came out from behind a fence and approached the vehicle. Suspicious eyes watched from behind closed curtains in the homes around that area, looking to see what would happen. As the men approached the car, one of them said, Good morning, Miss Cindy. She said, Good morning, Dre. Dre said, Thanks for giving us a ride to church. See, seven years before this, Cindy would not be caught dead in that neighborhood. God changes the world low and slow. Shonda was the first to arrive on Monday morning. She remembered when this building had been an old warehouse. And in just a few hours, the building, that old rundown building, would be filled with squeals of laughter. The Ubuntu school had grown out of a support group for moms in the church with special needs children. The door opened behind her and she turned and it was Donnie and and, and Donnie said, good morning, good morning Donnie. See, Donnie is the third and fourth grade teacher. He has autism. God changes the world, low and slow. Wesley straightened his tie as he entered into the room of older white men. He still felt this tinge of distrust and fear. But 12 years ago, he had never even had a conversation, a real conversation, with a white person. But the business that he started with some of the men in his church had really taken off. They were creating jobs for unemployed and underemployed people in the community, and as he stepped up to the microphone, he was filled with gratitude. You see, the the rotary had just elected him president. God changes the world, low and slow. These stories, which I hope you recognize a little bit, are a vision of how God will use the church, how God will use you, how God will use New City to change the world, and and, and specifically to change this community, to change Orangeburg for good and for his glory. But I hope you noticed it's not a vision of overnight success. It's not a vision of comfy Christianity It's not a vision that can be accomplished without real heart-level change in our lives, in people's lives. God changes the world. How? Low and slow. Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 11. Let's read it again. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation or fellowship with his spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in one accord and one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, God says, count others more significant than yourselves. Verse 4, let each... One of you, look not only to his own interest, but to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is already yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess what? that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father this is God's word for us today this is God's word for us today this is the way God changes the world God changes the world how? come on Low and slow. God wants us to look to Jesus, right? To look to him, the one who humbled himself. To look to Jesus who was brought low and who went slow. I know it's slowly, okay, grammatically, but just work with me, okay? This is how God saved the world. And this is how God not only saved the world, but this is how God is changing the world even today. And so there's two points to this sermon. The first one is, what do you think it is? Get low. And the second one is, what do you think it is? Go slow. Get low and go slow. Let's look at how Jesus got low. Look at verse 5. In verse 5 it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself... By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus got low. Y'all say that. Say that to your neighbor. Jesus got low. Jesus got low. And if you think about what, what God is telling us here, it's that Jesus gave up his divine comfort. Right? He, he gave up his eternal comfort, his eternal p- position and his place in the heavenly realms. He gave it up, the eternal Son of God, who is equal to the Father and the Spirit. There is one God who exists eternally in three persons. God is community forever. And that's why we can say God is love. Amen? (laughs) Because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, don't ask me to explain how that works. But this is who God has revealed himself to be. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Son, the eternal Son, got low. The eternal Son humbled himself by not grasping to his divine privileges. Not holding on to his divine privileges. But by taking to himself humanity, by taking to himself a human nature and being found in human form, he humbled himself. The one who is worshipped by angels and men, the one to whom all creation sings his praise, humbled himself. Came down into the dirt and the muck and the mire. Who was not raised in a palace, but who was raised in a pauper's village. Who was born in literally in crap, in a stable, laid in a feeding trough. The Lord of all becomes nothing. God, the eternal son, all glory, all power, got low. Jesus got low. Jesus laid it all down. He laid it all down. He didn't hold on to what was rightfully his. Why? So that he could save the world. He had to come down here and be one of us. He had to take on a human nature. He had to be formed in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Why? Because we needed a new Adam. We needed a new Adam. We needed a new chance at doing what God called each of us to do in this life. And Jesus came and he, 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 he gave up the glory of heaven to come to the earth to take on our humanity to be born in such a squalor situation. Why? Because he loved the world. Because he loves you and he loves me. He took on a human nature. Uh, We call this the incarnation. Y'all say that with me incarnation. It means the taking on of flesh. The incarnation. Uh, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, took on flesh and lived. Among us, infinite deity, infinite divinity took on weakness. Imagine the greatest, most powerful human in the world giving it all up and taking on the struggle. The struggle, the most painful struggle you can imagine in life. That is what Jesus did. But he didn't give up human royalty, he gave up his divine privileges. To come to the earth and to suffer and it was a real suffering he really experienced it it wasn't imaginary his humanity his flesh was real just like you and me that's why every Sunday we celebrate the Lord's Supper to remind ourselves that Jesus is physical that he's tangible just like the bread in your mouth Jesus body is real Okay, And it's in that real body that he was really beat and broken and wounded. It was in that body that he experienced rejection from his family and his friends. It was in that body that he experienced what it was like to be an outcast. He experienced, Jesus experienced what it was like to be laid low. He knew how to get low. And he did. He got low by taking on humanity for us. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Because we needed a substitute. We needed someone to go to, suff- to not only to go to the cross, but to obey. Did you notice in the scripture it says that he, he humbled himself by becoming what? Obedient. You see, Jesus not only took away your sins, but he also gives you his obedience. There's a double exchange when you believe. A double exchange. He takes all of his goodness and gives it to us. And he takes all of our guilt and puts it on himself. That is what happened at the cross. It's this great exchange. And the only way he could do that was by the incarnation. The only way he could do that was by humbling himself. By coming and taking on our flesh. Taking on our pain. Taking on our rejection that we feel. That you feel. He took that on. He suffered in his life and in his death. Jesus got low. And because of that God invites you and me to get low. Because Jesus got low for us he invites us to get low too. Look at verse 3. Look at it with me. Look at verse 3. It says do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in what? Humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. You should notice a couple of words there that jump out to you that, that are said of Christ are now said of you and me. What, what are they? Uh, one is humility, right? He humbled himself. God calls us to humility. Uh, uh, God says that he did not, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, and we are to count others as more significant than ourselves. You see that? We are, by faith, to reflect the humility of Christ. We are, in a real sense, supposed to give up our comfort. Rather than seeking our own pleasure or or our own ambition, uh, to lay it down in order to serve and help other people. Uh, See, but humility doesn't mean you stop working hard. It means you, you keep working hard, you keep growing, you keep using the gifts God gives you, but not for your own ambition. You see, it, it, it changes. Faith in Jesus changes our ambition so that our ambition is not for ourselves or for our own glory, but it's so that we might be humble. It's so that we might serve and, and put the interests of others ahead of ourselves. And that should manifest in your life. That, that, that others, you are counting others as more significant than yourself, even if they're not, right? By the world's standards. Right? A lesson that Cindy had to learn: To count others as more significant than yourself and not to just accept the lies of the world that, 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 that call someone dangerous just because of the way they look. But it's Jesus who who calls us out of that kind of mindset and who calls us into something different, into humility, into a new life of giving, a new life of serving, a new life of counting others more significant than ourselves. And it does mean that we have to lay down our comfort. It means that we will not be able to just always be happy in our our situation. It means that we will make sacrifices. Uh, Jesus took the form of a servant. And that means that we, as we count others more significant than ourselves, that we are asking not, what can you do for me? Because that's the question, right? (laughs) That that is the question today. What can you do for me? I'm going to take this job, but what can you do for me? Uh, I'm going to get into this relationship, but what can you do for me? You see, the gospel of Jesus calls us to ask the opposite question. What can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I take my passion? How can I take my gifts? How can I take everything that God has given me and, and spend it on other people? Why? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. He took everything that he is and he spent it on you and me. So how can we get low? We can get low first by really believing. It really starts with faith. It starts with Because you do not have the power in yourself to love and serve people. You don't, and neither do I. You have to start with faith. You have to start with looking to Jesus and saying, what did he do for me? Meditating on that. You know, when you read your Bible, it's not just a religious exercise. It's so that you can actually get a picture and a glimpse of who God is and what he's done for you. That's why we read our Bibles, right? And then we pray and we say, Lord, help me (laughs) to humble myself. Help me to find ways to uh, count others more significant. Help me, Lord, to figure out how to be a servant. And so the first thing is to believe, is to meditate on who Jesus is and to receive from him that he is your life. He has delivered you from the penalty of, of sin. And not only the penalty, but the power of sin. You see, God not only delivers us from the penalty, but from the power. And so how do we, low, how do we get low? We look to Jesus. That's the first thing. The second thing is we, are, we take an interest in other people. We take an interest in other people. And this is so backwards to how we're taught to live our lives in this world. Right? It's backwards. an interest in other people means... That you, when you're in a conversation, you're asking more questions than you are delivering answers. It means that you're asking follow-up questions and saying, tell me more about uh, that hobby that you have. Uh, Tell me more about whatever that thing is. I don't know much about uh, the DC universe. So tell me a little bit more about the DC universe, even though I don't really care about the DC universe. No offense. No offense. But I do care because my friend cares, right? And so take an interest in other people. Humility is not passive, it's active. This is important. Sometimes we think of humility as just being a pushover. Right? But That is not what humility is. Humility is taking everything that God's given you and directing it to help and serve and make other people's lives better. Jesus was humble, but he was not passive. He gave up the glory of heaven and he came to the earth and he lived a life of obedience. He lived a life in in humility and subjection to the Father's will in every way. He loved perfectly the Lord his God, the Father, and his neighbor as himself. Jesus did it. And because he did it, he calls us to do it. Not only as an example, but because he empowers us to do it through faith. Jesus got low, brothers and sisters, and so can we. You and I can get low. We can get low, be interested in others. Secondly, uh, Jesus not only got low, but he went slow. God's call for us is not, is not only to, 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 to humble ourselves, but it's also to pace ourselves. (laughs) It's also to pace ourselves because, y'all, we live in a microwave world. We live in a world where social media, you are pulling down with your thumb before you've even seen the whole video, and the video is 30 seconds. Am I right? (laughs) You're pulling down. Why? Because we are trained in this world to want a quick fix, We are trained in this world to expect instant results. We are trained by this world to cast away God's vision for time. And to accept something that is defined by Western civilization. It's not what God has for us. God wants us to go slow. Why? Because Jesus went slow. Look at verses 9 through 11. Can y'all open that up and look at it with me or look on the screen? How did Jesus go slow? Look at verse 9. He says, Therefore God has highly exalted him. Who exalted him? God. You can read into that the Father. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus went slow. And it doesn't take much for you to see this in the Gospels. A couple of examples. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus took a few of his disciples up to a mountaintop, and when he was at the mountaintop, he was transfigured before them. That means that his heavenly glory uh, took up, kind of like came down and took up a, a, a reference point on him for just a minute. And it says that he, 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 he displayed in his body, his, there was a, 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 like, it was almost like for a moment they got to see his divine glory shining through his humanity. It's called the transfiguration. It was an incredible moment, but Jesus didn't do this in front of a thousand people. He he did it in front of just a few. And he said, don't tell anyone about this until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Why? Because Jesus passed up opportunities for recognition. He passed up opportunities for advancement. He passed up opportunities for everyone to pat him on the back. Uh, Jesus went slow. In Mark chapter 7, uh, Jesus heals a deaf man. Miraculously, with his divine power, heals a deaf man. And what does he tell him at the end? He says, tell no one. (laughs) Tell no one. In Luke chapter 8... Jesus met a man named Jairus and his daughter had just died and and Jesus went to the home and he and he he spoke words of life over this young woman and she came back to life from the dead from the grave she came back to life and Jesus says to these parents who are overjoyed he says tell no one what happened tell no one what happened In John chapter 6, Jesus takes a few loaves of bread and two fish and he feeds a multitude. He feeds 5,000 people. And right after that, the people wanted him to be king, obviously, right? This dude, this is a welfare program right here, right? And so Jesus has got the food, he's got the power, and they're like, let's make this guy king. We got 5,000 people, let's do it. Let's go to Jerusalem. What does Jesus do? He, the scripture says he withdrew to a solitary place. Because even when he was given the opportunity for recognition, even when he was given the opportunity for greatness, he turned it away. Why? Because Jesus went slow. Jesus waited for the Father to exalt him. That's what our scripture says, right? It says, therefore God has highly exalted him. Not Jesus exalted himself, right? It doesn't say Jesus took power for himself and he enthroned himself on the earth. And it doesn't say that, right? It says he waited until the Father exalted him. And it wasn't in his earthly life. It wasn't. It was after his death. It was in the resurrection and in the ascension. Jesus' humble servant life was vindicated when God raised him from the dead. His servant's humble life was vindicated when God raised him from the dead, when God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, right? Not yet, but will bow. See, there's even future glory for Jesus, there's even future glory for Jesus. Jesus is still going slow. He's still waiting. Why? Because he loves this world. And he wants every one of us to have an opportunity to bow the knee to the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings before we die, <laughs> before it's too late. And brothers and sisters, there is a call on us to, yes, go slow, to, yes, be patient, to not take, to not take glory for ourselves. Why are we a small church? Because God wants us to go slow, I guess. (laughs) Because God doesn't want us to have the glory. God wants the glory. But that doesn't mean we should sit on our butts. It doesn't mean that we should be passive. It means that we should obey this call and follow this Jesus who got low. And we should follow this Jesus who went slow. Look at verse 1 and 2. We're going we're gonna to end with where we started. Verses 1 and 2, it says, So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation, that's the word fellowship, any fellowship in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. I think he's saying of the same mind of Christ. He might be talking about unity, but I I don't think he is. I think he's talking about be of the same mind of Christ, have the same love of Christ, be in full accord with Christ, and be of one mind with Christ. We can go slow. And you know I'm preaching to myself. We can go slow. We can pass up on opportunities for recognition. Uh, Right? We can pass up on opportunities for recognition. We don't need it. We don't need recognition for, for, for doing amazing things. Cindy doesn't need recognition for the growth that God has brought into her life. Shonda doesn't need recognition for the good work that she's doing. Right? Wesley doesn't need recognition for, for being the Rotary president, from, from coming from a place where he couldn't even have a conversation with with a white man to leading a group of white men. He doesn't need recognition for that. Why? And why don't we need recognition? Because we already have recognition, y'all. We already have recognition. We already have everything we need from the Lord our God. We already have approval. We already have his love. What does he say? If there is any encouragement in who? In Jesus, right? Not not is there any encouragement in what I've done. Is there any encouragement in how good of a group we are? No. Is, Is there any encouragement in Christ? And if there is, then have the same love. Have the same humility. Walk in the same spirit that Christ has for us. You don't need to be recognized. You can be anonymous. We can wait for our Father to exalt us, and He will. (laughs) He will. God is changing the world. God is changing Orangeburg, but He's doing it low and slow. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your grace. Lord, we thank You that we already have everything we need in Christ. To live is Christ. To die would be gain, but that's not your will. Your will is that we should stay here and we should exhibit and we should do what you've done for us. We should love as we've been loved. We should serve as we've been served. We should lay down our lives as you have laid down your lives, Lord. I pray that each person in this room would bow the knee to Jesus today because you are a God who entered into our mess. You are a God who understands what it means to be rejected. You are a God who understands what it means to suffer. That is a God I can believe in. Because you get me. And you get us. And you love us still. So Lord, we bless you and we praise you and we pray. Lord, I pray. Like Paul prayed for the Philippian church. I pray for a new city that, these, that this vision would come to pass. That this vision would come to pass. And more. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.